I just, I just was nowhere in the world. <laughs> and I mean, all of the feelings, you know, should I just end it now? You know, this is just, I don't think. And I always had an impression about myself. I felt like I was a very, very dainty person. And so I felt there's no way I can go through a journey like this as a human being. Like, this is going to kill me. Like, literally, it's going to crush me because I don't have, I don't have substance like that. I'm so dainty. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just a happy girl. You know, let's just keep it happy. Everybody happy, smiling. <laughs> and you always so wear. You always wear. You always wear. You always wear. Smiley, a beautiful smile lit up the room. Um, so I remember, I remember speaking to you after the diagnosis. I don't know how. It must have been a while later. And I remember what you said to me. He said to me, I literally had to grieve what I thought I had to what I have now. Yes. Yes. And that is so profound because that is what I feel changes everything. Or let me say it this way. I feel that that's what may change everything. I feel that's the, that's the, um, that's such a profound moment Mm. Um, that can either make or mar you as a parent. Uh, and of course, I'm speaking to my story, not everyone's yeah. story. Um, so for me, I felt this is the death of a dream. But in the same breath, I knew it was a birth of a new journey. Yes. Yes. So what I said was that my son has been exchanged in that hospital. That woman, that was another person I held resentments against for years. <laughs> you know, the doctor that got him diagnosed, I said, that woman exchanged my son. He took awesome. my son from me and gave me another child. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring back the same child to her years down the line. Mm. And she's going to open her mouth. <laughs> you know, in hindsight now, I'm like, what is the woman's business? She was just doing her job. <laughs> she was doing her job, but, you know, it's a journey. <laughs> that was your journey as well, needing to blame yes. people as you went along. Yes. I mean, I like yes. the fact that you named it, that I felt resentment for this. I felt resentment along the way. And I suppose it's just le letting us know out there that, you know, these feelings are validated. They're okay to feel like this. You know, you named the fact that you, you felt validated by one person, but you felt resentment for this person. And finally, even after getting that diagnosis, you felt resentment because you needed to feel that to get better, to go on that journey, on the journey you are now. And I remember, like I said, having that conversation with you and you yeah. did say that, you know, I'm grieving. Lamley, I'm grieving. I'm depressed because I have to deal with what I have yeah. now. Yeah. So I remember yeah. you saying to me you were depressed as well. Was that properly diagnosed or was that just the way you felt or your feelings at the time? Did you get a diagnosis for yourself as well? Well, I wasn't clinically diagnosed with depression. 
depression, but I definitely, by all means, went through a depression. Um, so, um, like most people of faith will handle it. It mm. started with a lot of prayers and making confessions and things like that. And I, I don't want to be misunderstood right now. Um, it got to a point where I knew that I will continue to pray, mm. but then I needed help outside of myself. Absolutely. Um, so, so I signed up to see a, psych, a psychologist. And so I was seeing her, was it once a week or twice a week? Uh, because at this point in time, I had begun to have consideration. Oh. Are you there? Hello, are you there? Hello? Hi, Titi Laomi. Titi Laomi. Across the borders in the US and drop my son at you know things like that. I had so many of those snippets of you know yeah. scenes. Yeah, sorry, you dropped off. I should type. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, you're here now. You dropped off a bit, but you're here now. So you said you started seeing a psychologist once a week. That was where I got up to. Yeah, I can't remember if it was once a week or twice. A week, um, but I was going to see her, and she was, and I, I don't think it was anything dramatic. Um, but I was seeing someone that I could speak to professionally. Mm. Uh, most of our sessions will just uh, be me. And she would just ask me questions about the week, what did I do, what did I get up to, and things like that. And then I would talk about it, feeling about my son, you know, things like that, friends around me. I was completely isolated and that's 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 that is a profound thing about this journey it is intrinsically isolating um uh, let's not even forget the kind of shame that comes with it uh and the guilt as yeah, well yeah. there is a huge part of you that keeps about how did i contribute to this mm. uh, was it because i didn't use my pregnant care twice in a month or <laughs> you know just all sort of yeah you know yeah and this was all still in america just for our listeners you still you stayed back in america to go through this um senior psychologist dealing with all of this oh so i stayed back in the states the moment that we had received the diagnosis i just looked at my son's dad that moment remember when i was saying i was asking him that what is i remember yeah yeah, so right after that, when we got home that day, well, what we called our home then, mm. um, I just told him that, well, 
I don't know anything right now. I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow, but there's something I'm quite sure about this moment. I'm not going back to Nigeria with you. I'm staying back here to get help for my son because obviously I don't know anywhere to go to in Nigeria. So get out here first. So let's see where that gets me. Um, how long was I staying? I don't know. At that, at that point, I don't know. There were a lot of uncertainties the moment you got your yeah. dad, his diagnosis at the time. So I yeah. know, so you stayed back. Um, After my three days of being in a, in a, I don't know what to call that state now. Is it catatonic state or what? <laughs> where I froze? Mm. <laughs> so I woke up up after the three days and I grabbed my computer and I began I began to search everywhere for help I I checked the county I would type in all sort of things like I was just looking for help here was I I I didn't know anything I didn't know who to call I was just typing all sorts of things into Google. I was calling all sorts of numbers, and then I would talk about myself. I'm a young, uh, I'm a young, young mom. I, I just came in from Nigeria. My son got diagnosed with autism. I need help for him. <laughs> like uh, random number, any random. number at all. Just call, just call. <laughs> and you know, you know how it is. I got help. You know, I finally got to the county. Um, early child, uh, no, that's not what they're called, early intervention team for the county. Okay, so and, finally, you got somewhere with all of those phone calls, you got somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were a huge blessing. They came in, it was a, an entire team. They spent about two hours as opposed to the 15, 20 minutes in Kennedy Krieger. They took me through the whole thing. Uh, you know, they were as explicit as, oh, so now you see that we we pointed this toy to your son. I'm like, yes. Okay, so what he's meant to do is this. But this is what he did. So sort of like they they, they didn't just throw a label at me. They, 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 helped me they helped me see, you know, so I saw. And they also... I think the biggest thing that it did was that they normalized the the, the conversation for me. Right. It, it was not shrouded in some kind of obscurity. It didn't mm. feel to me. It didn't feel like I had met the devil himself in a diagnosis. It felt like your child is significantly delayed and you need to get off your sorry butt and get help for him that's that was my takeaway from that meeting for from with them i feel like they brought a lot of hope to me they brought me a lot of perspective and i didn't think the death sentence when they were leaving i was energized i felt i will get help and let's see where the help gets us you know and so how the journey of intervention began enrolled him in early intervention uh program in the in the county 
you know, he started that. Then I started to look for how to get an insurance so that he can begin so so that he can begin to get therapy from providers. And that's how it began. And I stayed back for almost three years, just like that. Just like that, without prior planning, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. In a country where I didn't know anyone, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to sustain myself. I was alone. And don't forget, I already said it's a very high isolating journey on its own. Yeah, yeah. So, isolation, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was still alone. I was alone physically. I was alone with him. His dad had to go back to Nigeria so he could work his butts off and send money to us. <laughs> to get all of this catered for, because after all, you need money at this point in time. Exactly. You get through all exactly. of this. You leave and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and this journey, so this was where you began to see light at the end of the tunnel. Well, to be honest, I didn't see any lights until another one year down the line. <laughs> it was like such a slow start for us. It was like we're building, 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 and I couldn't see any structure, you know. <laughs> so this, 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 was a, this was a journey of patience as well. Like you couldn't, yeah. the results were not immediate or not immediate. Mm-mm. It had to be a Mm-mm. process getting there, building blocks. Yeah. And I, and I mean, that would be, that would differ for, for each, each parent, to be honest, because, you know, you have to remember that autism is on a spectrum, you know, so each one's journey is just true to their own journey. You know, some people got interventions and in two, three months and it was like, boom. You know, some of us had to till the ground. You know, it was like mm-hmm. I was just doing everything right or everything I was told was right, but then I wasn't seeing any results. At this time, I had also gone into what we call biomedical interventions as well. Uh, you know, doing some protocols, um, researching. I basically was living for it, you know, wake up in the morning read 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 mm-hmm. study study mm-hmm. study hard right. what more out there what else can i be doing you know absolutely so. so that was a lot and that was a journey so it took you three years and i know we because you know there's a lot to talk about but you know we're going to fast forward a little bit from there so three years a lot you had to go through a lot you saw a psychologist yourself you got as much support as you could for your son and then three years, going into four years, you decided to come back to Nigeria. Yeah, almost three years. Um, well, that was when the Home Office will not renew my, <laughs> my, my request to stay. So we had to pack up and come back home. So um, if they so had renewed that, would you have stayed back? Um, I'm... I don't think I can say a confident yes to that. And that's because at this point in time, I was totally exhausted and I needed support. Because of course, completely exhausted. You were isolated there. There was no family. So So then we made that journey. And and I mean, I had a church community. I was in a church, but it wasn't the same. I I needed family. I needed friends. I needed... I just, I just needed help, you know, and, uh, I wanted to be back in my own space. I, 
as much as I knew that I needed to get help for my son as well. So it was also like a battle because you're asking yourself, are you, are you thinking about yourself over your son right now? Or are you thinking about what is best for your son? Yeah, you know, absolutely. but then you also have to think about, well, if I'm not well, then how do I look after my son? You know, um, that's that's a very um, so, that's, that's sometimes when we say we have to look inwards as well we have to be okay to be okay to look after anybody or to be there for anybody and um and mm-hmm. I think that's that's been you know looking looking from a different perspective as well if I'm not okay how can I be a mother to him or how can I be mm-hmm. his main carer so then we came mm-hmm. to Nigeria so you came to Nigeria with him and then I remember that we spoke and you told me you were going to retrain or you were going to train to become an educator in Nigeria. Why that decision? And two questions, why that decision? And how was it like telling family when you got back to Nigeria? Family, friends, how did you cope with that? Uh, so first I would say that I, I, I think I'm the kind of person that I have um, I'm quite friendly, you know, but then usually not bringing, I mean, uh, bringing people very close mm. is not something I do easily, but then it can seem like I know the whole world and I talk to the whole world. So, um, I don't have many friends, you know, so. But then when I took on this, you know, this journey, even the few friends that I had, I I was too busy. And I say that with all humility, I was mm. too I was too overtaken to nurture those relationships. Um interestingly, they were they were happy to stay. Um as unresponsive and as as I was at the time. Um, I mean, we will call and call and call and I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. And this included my family as well because I was just like, see, life is no longer different. Life is no longer the same for, for both of us. My life is on a different trajectory now and I don't think any of you get it understanding um, at the time you needed mm-hmm. to process you were dealing it was a journey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I mean I deeply appreciate you know friends that stayed and you know they didn't mind that I was unavailable um, they still stayed on you know so I wasn't talking to I didn't have people like you're asking me okay. to talk to you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything to answer to. So the few ones that I told you that they, they, they hung on, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as unavailable as I was, they already knew what, what was going on. So there was really nothing to tell, you know, they are well aware they've been keeping in touch. I'm just the one who, I, I, I couldn't, I could not connect with any human being if I was connecting with you, then you are a special needs mom as well. And of course, I'm talking about how your journey has been, what you're doing, what helped your child, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, I mean, you know, your life changes so dramatically that, you know, you're not talking about 
birthday parties. You're not talking Anymore, about yes. going to a jump zone. You are talking about language delay, communication, promoting Assessment. language within yes. the house. What You're talking you about OT. <laughs> You're talking about speech therapists. Exactly. What you're doing, <laughs> you know, where you're going you're tomorrow, exactly. how your appointment mm-hmm. went, how he or exactly. she's responding, how are the exactly. things like, so yeah. That is your life now. Like yeah. So life. even if a friend was calling me, I would ask myself, what are we going to talk about when when I get on the phone with her? I'm like, please, please, please let, let her go rest. We don't have anything to talk about. I think, I think, like you said, you're saying that with all humility, no disrespect to anyone. And, you know, if anybody, unless we work in other people's shoes, we do not know where they've been, what they're going through or what their journey is. So, um, so you know, you're not saying that to to for any, you know, you're not saying that in any mode of disrespect. It's just so that people would understand where your mind was and is at the time. And this even goes out to all other moms who might be feeling or carers or parents or dads who might be feeling like that right now, that it's okay to feel like that. It's okay to feel I just cannot connect with other people right now. So I like that we're exploring that. So fast forward to when you then decided to get to become an educator, a special educational needs educator. How has that journey been like and how are you finding it now? Oh, so this is how that happened. I got back to the country and I was looking for, you know, because I wanted a seamless transition, right? Mm. So I wanted him to continue to receive services like he was in the States. And I didn't want any kind of... um, um any kind of break you know I just wanted that seamless transition so at this time I had gotten where he would receive therapy but then I hadn't gotten a school so I went looking for schools for about a month and no one would take my son you know so I said to myself well what is this thing you know like isn't it just to be a teacher so I just went to it. <laughs> I just I, I went to um the National Teachers Institute and I got a form, filled it out, and applied to to get a diploma in education. Hmm. So when then you mean- I submitted I, I did up my seat. Right, okay. Go on, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so I did my CV and I started to apply for schools in my community to become an assistant teacher since I didn't have a background in education. Yeah. So I said, let's do it. And <laughs> so I must say this so that it can make a lot of sense to you, Lamide, and to your listeners. I... I did see, so when I was getting, when I was getting this form and then Mm -hmm. I was getting this education, I mean, I mean, when I was getting into this diploma program and I was, I, and I had gotten the job as, um, as an assistant teacher and I had already started teaching because first, what was important to me was that I needed to get the experience of being a teacher because if I'm not a teacher then how do I want to be a teacher to a 
impressionist child. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so I wanted the the basics. Okay, yeah. so I started ground ground up. I hmm. I didn't even give a lot of thoughts to. I was just existing, like I was just moving through the motions. Like I didn't think about it. I didn't tell myself how long I, w- I was going to do it. I didn't tell myself if I was going to do it. I, I was just moving through the motions. So getting my son into school, getting uh, a diploma, getting a job as uh, an assistant teacher, all of this happened in the same month. And I just plunged into it. I was just consumed about helping my son make a smooth transition mm. from the U.S. to here. That's right. all. Okay. That's all. So I, I didn't have a blueprint. I didn't have anything that okay i'm gonna do this then after that right. no solid mm-hmm. plan mm-hmm. Just, yeah just moving through the motion <laughs> so was it because you know? and so things just sorry was it because of his diagnosis that they would not take him into the schools you went to oh absolutely absolutely they all said that they were not resourced and that they didn't they didn't know what to do with him you know, that his needs are profound and where would they start from? So I did take him to my friend's school because, of course, my friend cannot say no to me, right? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So I took him to my friend's school and only for me to find out, Lamide, that my three years in the U.S., Mm. I did not know that that whole time I was 110% involved in his plan of care. I didn't know. How so? So so I didn't know that I was learning voraciously. Right. Just to to come and do the same thing back here. You're lapping it all up, just taking it all in. Thank you. Thank you. So when I arrived and I had made that decision to become a teacher, it was like it was gloves on me. Like I just knew what to do. So the first IEP, it's called IEP in the US, right? And it's, it just means a special education program, right? you know, where you redesign the curriculum for a child with special needs. I just wrote it for my son. Like I just sat down and I wrote it. You just made his plan. Not, yeah, not 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 knowing that all those meetings, those IEP meetings where I would sit down and I will contribute, I would take notes on everything, ask all the questions, come back and say, oh, I was so blessed with a beautiful team in Baltimore. I never had the experiences that some of the mothers would share in my U.S. groups that I am about hostility or having to fight their way through to get help for their children. Mm. No, mine, mine was such a beautiful experience that they were even asking me to be the school's ambassador with African mothers. Wow. That's so that I, yeah. So that I could help, you know, like bridge the gap, you know? Mm. Yeah. You know, so I didn't know that I was learning so much because there was a future that was waiting for me to use those resources so little did you know that you were planning or you were you yes. were actually getting yourself equipped for the future thank you a future that i didn't know would come so it's all orchestrated that i couldn't find a school for my son 
because you see if I found school and I got comfortable then I wouldn't need to get upset after four weeks and get a form to get a diploma and get a job as an assistant teacher (laughs) and fast forward now that was 2019 um you know I'm the special education coordinator for the school where my son attends and uh, I'm helping other children there um, designing the curriculum for them Um, I have um, I have gotten some training in ABA I have gotten a a diploma in special education from the UK um, an academy in the UK Um, and of course let's not forget my <laughs> my profound training actually came from helping my son from your in son. the US. It, it, it came yeah. from your own journey as a Thank mom you. firsthand. Yes. And that is what yes. you're carrying First forward time. now. Wow, you've done yes. a lot since you got back. So what's ABA? You did say ABA. Can you tell us what ABA is? So ABA is just a... Pl- well, it's an acronym for Applied Behavioral Analysis. And basically, you can say that it's a scientific tool um, that looks into the science of behavior. Uh, let's keep in mind that when we say behavior, behavior is not just like, um, you know, like what we call character. Mm. You know, it's more than that. It's communication. It's is how uh, you know an individual can um, relate. Uh, yeah, function. You know, basically function. So, it's 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 a scientific tool that has been around for over thirty years. It's mm-hmm. evidence based, um, mm-hmm. uh, using evidence based strategies. It's used mm-hmm. in the in the corporate world. It's used in correctional facilities to build corporate culture, you know, like uh, it's it's an amazing tool. It's basically about how you can use the 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 principle of reinforcement right. to shape to shape behavior. Oh. So how can we modify behavior? So let me bring it home in the in the field of you know special needs and autism specifically. Thank so, you. of course, of course, something very significant and common to the diagnosis of autism is challenging behavior. Mm. Um, you know, because the child is neurologically wired differently. And so because they experience the world in a different way, it automatically means that they respond to the world in a different way as well. Um, so there's a lot of you know, challenging behavior that families have to deal with. And so ABA helps your child to uh, is think about a skill acquisition program where, you know, because when you really look at autism, you're talking about a child significantly delayed in functional skills, mm-hmm. life skills. Is it communication? Um, is it yeah thank you thank you for mentioning developmental skills you know so so and the thing is that once the child can can acquire these skills then the child is equipped to function more appropriately in their world in their world exactly as they, as they see thank the you. world thank you 
so, um, you know, so ABA takes care of that. You know, they evaluate what skills are, what areas of deficiencies are there, you know, in terms of skill acquisition for this child, you know, and then they begin to work on that one-on-one. So you have a clinician who's working directly one-on-one in, you know, a safe environment, a, mm. uh, you know, a clinical setting or even in home, you know, whichever one the parent finds, you know, most convenient for their uh, for their family and so they work on those skills you know so imagine a child without imitation skills how does that child pick up learning in his environment oh. so they teach those skills directly yeah I mean fundamentally children learn from watching us as adults oh, what we do yes. what we say yeah so yeah so some children with autism have zero imitation skills my son was one of them when he was evaluated by the ABA consultant, his baseline was was below thirty. It was it was it was it was an absolutely poor, <laughs> extremely poor one, almost like he had none. So my son, for instance, cannot watch anyone do something, and he does it. And he does he, it. He doesn't have the skill to do that. He mm. does not. So ABA yeah, so. is tailored towards each child, so it's not one size fits all. Oh, not at all. Actually, the entire SEN landscape, um, by SEN I mean special education needs, mm-hmm. um, there is nothing like one size fits all. Even when you have two, two pupils with the same diagnosis, you can't even write the same program for them. Mm-hmm. You know, because their challenges differ, their strengths, you know, differ, they, you know, so it, it's so, it's so bespoke. I like to use that word. Yeah, I like that <laughs> it's word. So bespoke. Mm-hmm. And um, so thank you so much for all of this. This has been really, really eye-opening. I would ask the burning question that I'm sure our listeners, if we have listeners listening in from Nigeria, that would, they would want to know. I know you work with a school. Do you do any freelance consult at all? Are you able? Because I know you're. I know you're very, very busy. But is there any free? Do you do any freelance work at all? Well, I do have a, uh, you know, an outfit registered for that. It's called the Spectrum Lens, actually. Well, I'm sorry. The name is not the Spectrum Lens, actually. The name is the Spectrum Lens. <laughs> Because I added, actually, before it sounds like that's also the name. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, and I mean, my my vision when I was um, registering that outfit was basically to provide support to uh, families that are new to diagnosis. Um, um, the job of being in the school system and helping my son alongside his special needs friends has not given me any room to to grow that side gig kid mm-hmm. uh, side gig yeah it's active yeah it's it's totally active and it is something that i i would desire to grow uh, i am doing the same thing while 
you know, while carrying out my job every day because it involves seeing parents and, you know, um, counseling parents and, you know, talking to them about achievement for their children mm-hmm. in the school, you know. So it's still what I do, but just not under the name of, you know, my outfit. Yeah, but yes, I'm, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not outside the school of which you work at the moment. You work within that school. Are you there? Hello? I think I lost you. I feel like I... Yeah, you did. Um, I lost you for a moment. I said, so you still work within the school. So you work within your school at the moment. So lost you again. At the moment was what I heard. I said, so you work within your school at the moment, your son's school at the moment. Oh, dear. Can you hear me? Okay, you're... Can you hear me? Right, I think we've lost Titilayomi. The connection must have gone off, but I have really, really learned a lot from her conversation. Thank you so much to our listeners. I have lost connection with Titilayomi, but I hope we've been able to take something away from this conversation. This has been really, really eye-opening.